What about speaking, Big Dave? Oh, speaking ah. of, of impressing, ah. look at this guy. Big man, in and out. I cut you like that. All right, the shot wasn't great, but he was all over the place. Love it. Love it. Okay, Wednesday. Dave. And I guess that's the way the whole derned human comedy keeps perpetuating itself here on Owl's Americast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. That is a big Lebowski quote. I am back from bowling, your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. And, you know, chaps, I'm going to be 36 in a couple of months. I had a few cocktails at dinner. I'm uh, trying to be responsible and have a blood orange soda from San Pellegrino, my people. It's actually quite nice. A little bit tart, a little bit refreshing. And we're going to need some refreshment given the two games we have to cover this week on episode 20 of the Owls Americast. With me this week is James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeffrey. Um, I'm drinking a, a double IPA from my, my local, uh, the Rockaway Brewing Company. It's called, uh, appropriately enough, it's called Ocean of Emotion. Uh, which pretty much sums up the last few Wednesday games. Is it also on the tart and refreshing side for you? Uh, definitely on the tart, and uh, it's got a, a little bit of a kick as well. Um, and yeah, <laughs> probably probably about as close to an analogy as I can get. Also with us this week is Luke Andrews Hacken. Luke, what are you drinking? I am drinking an Innocent Gun Barrel Aged Scotch Ale. Yeah, good Ooh, choice. Bourbon Barrel, yeah. Mm. Bourbon Barrel Aged Scotch Ale, which uh, which is one of my favorites, and uh yeah the bodega down the street had it oh yeah yeah it's good stuff with us for a potentially record-breaking second week in a row paul owen paul what are you drinking okay thanks thanks jeff all right chaps i am uh, i'm on a mckella um a mckella um what is it it's a hoppy pilsner california dream it's called if you know mckella from san diego they uh, make some incredible cans this one's got a picture of a woman on a surfboard Riding the crest of a wave inside a man's head. There is a really good article about McKellar and an issue of Beer Advocate that's somewhere in my house. I should find it for you. Yeah, I like it. They're all good. They're really, really good. Every single one of them. I don't think I've ever had a bad one. Evan is at class this week. Patty is in England, though we will be checking in with him in the interview segment because for some reason uh, he took his co-workers for their first English soccer experience, the Millwall game, when right across town, you could have gone to Chelsea versus Barcelona, Patty, and introduced them to the uh, defending Premier League champions playing uh, Lionel Messi and company, but you took them to that terrible game, which we'll be recapping shortly. But we will start with the FA Cup fifth round match against Swansea. As usual, there was some pre-match grumbling about the lineup, some pre-match grumbling about how Carlos would be received. But all in all, Paul, a pretty good performance. Well, I'll tell you what, you've, you've picked the wrong person to open this with because I, I'm, uh, I, I didn't watch the game, I didn't watch it. I'm, um, I'm boycotting the cup. I'm boycotting all cups. I, want, I just won the league. So I, I didn't have anything to do with this match. I, mean, I, I cannot and will not talk about it. I'm, I'm not interested. Um, I, I was interested in CC coming back or rather the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of conversation about him coming back, you know, uh, I think some people were getting emotional about it. Some people were getting angry about it. And I was a little bit, I, I, I just generally feel like that, that meme, you know, that Alan Partridge meme when he sort of shrugs the sort of like meh meme about this whole thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about the FA Cup. So I'm Alan Partridge. Meh. What did you think about his to... uh, hairline? Oh, that's Carlos that, was, not... that was good. Wasn't it was, it? That yeah, was nice. good. <laughs> it's all, yeah, it's grown. Fully hmm. back now, isn't it? Yeah, impressive. I might get one myself. <laughs> have Have we explained Alan Partridge to our uh, American listeners before? Probably not. Hmm. Mm, I, then I highly fine. recommend they go to the Google machine and yeah. see what they can find. There's a, there's a and... long Wikipedia entry. Here. Oh wow! If you need to check it out, if you need more background information on Paul. There's, there's one interesting one interesting uh, point. One interesting point about the cup is, uh, uh, 
can't remember who I was in a conversation with, said that we're actually, we're actually probably more a cup team right now because you can win a cup by scoring one goal and having your, your keeper save all the, way, the other penalties. So we've got more chance of going through the cup right now than we have for doing quite well in the league. So maybe I should maybe I should switch my attitude toward the cup. We've got yeah. a bunch of cracking keepers as well, Paul. I mean, um, if uh, in fact, I think Joe Wildsmith's got a pretty good record of saving penalties of late. So exactly, exactly. Exactly, right. The only problem is he's not a cup keeper. That's Cameron Dawson, but we'll come on to him in a second. Uh, so, so did anyone actually watch the game? I watched um, the. I got up, up in at seven thirty and Luke, watched please, the. Please tell me that you were game. you were eagerly watching us on FS1 on Saturday morning. I I was actually uh, at a doctor's office and was not watching the game. I think it's you and me, James. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> right, let's tear up the agenda and the uh, the segments that Paul and, uh, and Luke are going to talk about. Jeff, why don't I uh, why don't I pitch in on the team selection because. Um, I got up nice and early. I got my uh, I got my brew. I got my uh, my young boy with me to watch it. We were uh, we were very excited to see Hillsborough on TV um, with uh, with all the Chirons and uh, an Ameri- full American advertising treatment. It was uh, it was a pretty big moment on Saturday morning. And then did, the team uh, did it look good or? It did. It it looked great, except for the fact that Fox Sports had basically sent the work experience kid onto the internet to find the Wednesday crest and pulled the uh, the fake one with the Lancashire. <laughs> yeah, they've been doing that for rose on it. Yeah, so we were uh, we were treated to a red rose on a Wednesday badge, uh, spinning around in sort of full 3D for a while. But um, yeah, the team popped out, and you know after the high of the derby game, the, the win last week. Um, just all hell broke loose on social media with people, you know, really kind of weighing in on how it looked. Look defensive. We were setting up all wrong. You know, obviously Jao was uh, was was back out the team. We had Dave up front. It was just um, just massive mire of negativity and people, exp- you know, basically uh, making the case that Swansea were going to tonk all over us. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't the best of starts, but we uh, we actually came out of the traps firing. I thought um, I thought Wednesday really kind of you know got into the game and took it to them, which was fantastic. The first fifteen twenty minutes basically were all Wednesday. Adam Reach was everywhere. Uh, he was uh, he was ranging, you know. The midfield was uh, was aggressive, um, you know, really kind of get getting in Swansea's faces, and um, it, it was sort of wave after wave of attack. Uh, I was really uh, really encouraged by what we saw, um, and you know, for the like I said, for the first half hour or so, I thought Wednesday really were were the only team in it. Um, maybe ch- change towards the you know back end of the second half as Swansea seemed to kind of get their act together. The first half as Swansea got their act together, but. Uh, real kudos to that, the way that Wednesday took the game to them, and I think that kind of dismissed any of that complaints that were coming out of the fan base about the actual players on the pitch because they were doing a, an absolutely cracking job. I thought Wallace, who was sort of playing the false nine role, which is a little unusual for him, was also um, excellent throughout the most of the first half, sort of being a little bit of a sort of midfield engine, more of like that box to box role. Um, you know, it's funny watching it because. It seemed, especially in as you said in the first half hour, very familiar. You had a Swansea team that was playing from the back, sloppy, no urgency in the final third, sort of like everything we complained about, sort of like late stages of, of Carlos at Wednesday we saw in that Swansea team. And Wednesday we were able to press them, as you said, and sort of, you know, put the pressure on even if the sort of the <laughs> one of the constants in the Wednesday side this year is the, the final ball, that sort of like little last bit of magic wasn't exactly there for that game either and then i think it did uh it did turn in the second half there was a i think a reasonable i've seen it given let's put it this way as far as the swansea penalty shout goes uh having watched the replay a couple times i didn't see a ton in it but that was the uh, the Padil push on Tammy Abraham, right? Where yeah. he seemed to manage to get himself basically in Tammy Abraham, Cameron Dawson sandwich, and, uh, and and obviously didn't want to be in there, so he just gave Abraham a right good wallop, uh, which I think Warren Barton got really wound up about in the uh, in the FS1 analysis at half time. He was complaining there was no VAR technology at Hillsborough. <laughs> thank goodness for that. But I mean, that's really the only slight you can have on Daniel Pudil's performance. I thought it was. You could make a case that it was the best individual performance by a Wednesday player this season, really. He he was superb, wasn't he? I mean, he he really just marshaled that back three absolutely magnificently. And you know, frankly, you know, especially late in the game up against Jordan Ayew, um, he he looked every inch a a Premier League defender. I thought I thought he was magnificent. You know, absolutely all over the place. And we we've got to um, we've got to say a big big word to Cameron Dawson as well because there was a safe he pulled off just before half time when when Swansea were turning the screw, which 
I, I still, I've watched it back in slow-mo, I've watched it back, there's a beautiful <laughs> angle because it was on TV that was pretty much parallel with the six-yard box looking across uh, towards the north stand. And he, he seems to react after the ball's gone past him and somehow manages to get a, a big mitt on it, as Alex Alales said, um, and, and palm it over the bar. And it, it's just a magnificent reaction save. I mean, for that to be our essentially third third choice goalkeeper who's you know, really only getting uh, the chance to start in the cup, it was just super, you know, great, great advertisement for the quality of goalkeepers that we have at Hillsborough. You know, I, I sort of the comparison there is a save that Wildsmith made against Sheffield United. And I thought... It was a great save that Wildsmith made, but it was more of like a looping header a little bit further out. Like, he had time to kind of get in position and palm it over the bar. Dawson just had to sort of make a point-blank reaction and be strong enough to deflect it, and he was, and it was... And you look at Dawson, and he's like, he looks... He's got like that kind of like Kevin Pressman, early career Kevin Pressman. <laughs> Build to him. He, he, just, he looks where, like. A, where are you going here, Jeff? Are you he's a big boy. He looks he's a big like boy. he might be packing some weight on. No, like early career Kevin Preston. Um, he's just like <laughs> he's a unit, is what I'm saying. Like even compared to like Wild, uh, even compared to Wild Smith and uh, Westwood. Like he looks he called, hard. He's, yeah. He's called Pressman the Flying Potato when he was playing. That is such a good nickname. It was the Flying Potato. That's what we used to call him, Pressman. Give it Pressman. <laughs> What what was outstanding about Pressman though was the fact that it didn't matter how much the opposition sang about all the pies that he'd been eating or whether we called him a flying potato or otherwise, he was a sensational goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, you know, just, just what, one of a, a superb tradition of, of keepers that we've had, and you know, going back to Martin Hodge and uh, and before, um, <laughs> the flying potato lives again. Yes, I love him. So it ended up a nil nil draw in the end, although James. Wednesday did have a chance at the death with Adam Reach. We did, didn't we? Um, mm, you know, it was... It, it was kind of, you know, it, it was pretty clear as the game wore on that really neither team had any appetite for a replay. And, and actually the game opened up in the last 15, 20 minutes, which was great. You know, Swansea, Swansea had a couple of good chances. And then literally as we went past 90 minutes, yes, they, they kind of did the classic Carlos thing of midfield breaking down and passing the ball sideways straight to us, which was fantastic. Um <laughs> Passed it, you know, a quick ball into reach, and uh, and he, he was pretty much clearing on goal. Uh, downside, it was on his right foot, and he he hesitated just for a split second, and and decided to square it for Zhao, who'd come on off the bench. And yeah, the rest of his history. Zhao was offside, didn't quite make it. Kind of the uh, the defender kind of got a heel to it, and uh, and the chance went begging. But yeah, reach shouldn't have put the ball across. He should have just gone for goal. And yeah, and I thought he in. had time to get. He had that plenty of time, time to get on his left foot and just power it. And like you know. They had Newhue and Zhao in the box. You know, even if the goalkeeper parries it, maybe you get a rebound. You know, maybe yeah. It was just one of those split second away, things yeah. where he, he he should have just gone for goal. But you know, if you if you watch it back, it's it's an unselfish ball. It's actually a beautiful it ball is. as well. It's just like a split second late. His decision making wasn't quite yeah. quick enough to make that play. And and we'd have probably been riding our luck in all honesty to win the game there and then. So you know. The, the chance was there. The uh, the sixth round was there, but we uh, we go back down to uh, to Swansea next week, as we'll talk about a little later on. We do have to talk about. Can one I more just th- add quickly? Just sorry, just wanted to add, before we move on from uh, Swansea that I think uh, we should we should just take a second to uh, remember uh, that uh, a sixty one year old fan actually died during that match on the North Stand, and um, some it says um, that that uh, they worked on him for fifty minutes there and then, but unfortunately he didn't make it. So. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers. Uh, not really the, the phrase we should be using at the moment, but uh, you know, they are out with with him and his family. There's no name. I can't find a name. So you know, rest in peace. No one should go to a match and not come home. No, it's it's, it's a horrible situation. I think uh, you're absolutely right, Paul. The, the the phrase has a connotation in the last couple of weeks in the U.S., but there's no question that our our thoughts um, and our hearts go out to the, the family of the person concerned. And it's really sad because I think it's the second time this has happened at Hillsborough this season, actually. Um, so just just devastating that, that a fan should go to the game and not come home. Yeah. yeah. Before we move on from the Swansea game, uh, we mentioned that it was a full Regala Fox Sports 1 coverage, which included... Uh, Alexi Lalas, trying to pronounce Eddie Newhue's name, James. 
This was the gift that kept on giving. So, so when they were reading the team sheet out, you know, Lalas had to uh, to try and say "Ade Nuhu," um, but instead, sort of said "Ade Dede Hey Nuhu" or something along those lines. Which, you know, in a full uh, mid Midwestern accent. I mean, the sure best Lala's part was then he said, I'll uh, just say he was. But Wednesday, it's call him Big Dave because they can't pronounce his name. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then proceeded to uh, in every point of analysis thereafter just absolutely get wound up and infatuated by Big Dave. And I've got to say, this is where my technological limitations have been uh, have been ruining me because there's a there's a wonderful piece of commentary. I encourage everyone will will tweet out the link to the uh, the FS1 uh, highlights uh, after this uh, this broadcast, where kind of in the last minute I think Dave you know he gets into the box he he does his thing right doesn't yeah. he where he's ridiculously fleet of foot he kind of jinx. Um, Jinx backwards and forwards, and then you know, as he usually does at the last, Slips when he, as he, shoots, he falls over and kind of you know, trickles the shot to the keeper. But Lalas is just—he's absolutely creaming all over this. It's you know, it's like Big Dave. He's in. He's out. Acha. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful piece of commentary, and he, he did a whole segment called Big Dave doing Big work. Big Dave doing work at halftime yeah. with uh, with associated graphics, yeah. which was just it, that was one of the most exciting things I've seen in many years, let alone this season. Definitely a high point of uh, of Wednesday's 2017 2018. Not so much a high point of this season. Trip to Millwall on Tuesday night. If there was lineup whinging on Saturday, it got a heck of a lot worse on Tuesday, Paul. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly approach this match just, you know, it's with fond memories, as we've talked about in the pod before, but, you know, Tuesday night, you know, Millwall away. It's, it, I was just honestly just thinking it was going to be. Uh, you know, pretty low key affair, and um, until the lineup, right? It it was kind of interesting. Just I was reading the list for you know what you know, got Wildsmith, Hunt, yeah, you know Venezio, you got Luvens, okay, and and then we start to get toward the midfield. It's good to see Joey P back, um, Jones, okay, and then I was looking for the strikers, and I think that's where all hell broke loose, wasn't it? There were none, um, so. It looked like we'd kind of set up with Boyd and Stobbs as the most forward players, but with Wallace sort of roaming around behind them. I'd, it was a mystery, an absolute mystery. Um, you know, and of course, you know, it's a tactical decision, maybe. Maybe it's an injury decision. Uh, you know, if we score a goal or hold that lead and win, it's genius. But we didn't. So now, obviously, the sky's falling in. I don't know what you guys think, but... Um, you know, maybe he was his hand was forced, but uh, the the post match, the post match um, kind of explanation was was half asked, and I thought that Rob Stan did a fantastic uh, kind of turn, and and I think in his voice he sounded as annoyed as all of us fans were as well in trying to pressing for that answer as to why. Yeah, five five zero worked for Spain for years, right, James? <laughs> this, this comparison really bristles with me, right? Um, yeah. I mean, let's call a spade a spade and, and straight off say, you know, for, for whatever reasons, whatever the, the driving force, whether it was injuries, whether it was tactical or otherwise, there was a plan. It was a mm. different plan. It didn't work. So no, I mean, there's no argument here. The plan did not work. And either it wasn't a good plan or it wasn't well executed, but it didn't come off. The idea that we were doing it because Spain did it is just nonsensical. So well done, somebody, for drawing the parallel. But let's be honest, you know, Ross Wallace is not uh, Iniesta, and uh, and we definitely don't have Xavi in our mix. Um, whatever you think of Dave Jones, um, that that isn't why we we did it. Um, you know, I, I can't get inside Joss's head, but he he had his reasons, and and he decided that that was the best use of his squad and the best way to set up against a Millwall side that that were going to you know play smart and press us. Um, but yeah, from the first minute, it was fairly obvious that you know the, it, it was flat, and we um, we we just didn't didn't really have have the the assets to make it work. I mean, I think Stobbs and Boyd, you know, were trying to sort of play this sort of ranging role between midfield and attack, but they just weren't playing the channels uh, high enough. The team wasn't pressing high enough to make that even a, a an option. Um, and goodness me, the distribution midfield was dreadful. I mean, we, we were just you know, sloppy balls and, and, and losing out to, to 50-50s all over the park. So it, it was whatever the, the gestation of the idea was, it was fairly obvious as the half wore on that it wasn't working. And, and then we got lucky. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play that and try to either sneak out a draw or a 1-0, it worked about as well as you could expect with the Pelopesi screamer, Luke. Yeah, it was a great call. It was um, it, it felt very much against the run of play. Uh, 
the the commentary that I was listening to was very negative on the team's performance until that point, and then it seemed like it came out of nor- nowhere. You know, long ball upfield, driven. I mean, if you go back and watch it, driven is inch perfect to where you want it to be. Flax into the uh, the right post with the. Just, He's falling the backwards right. too when he hits it, and yeah. it still peels it in. Yeah, it's it's just the right just the right noise that you want to hear. Um, and yeah, you know, then, then that, that's it, right? The game, the game ended after that. That's, that's when I had to go into a meeting. So I, <laughs> so I assumed that like we were, we were fine and then that was it. Correct. It wasn't. So my problem with this, and we'll get into sort of more expansive thoughts on, on Joss in a moment is if you're going to set up for this, fine. After the performance Pudio put on Saturday night, you can't have Lubins in the center of that defense. You just can't. And I think that bared out in the second half. It, it really did, didn't it? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go quiet in a second for, in case I get angry. So maybe, Paul, you're, you're better describing our defensive unit in the second half. Yeah, there's two things that um, annoyed me about uh, the performance of defense and the speed. I think uh, it's hard to, hard to kind of explain what I was thinking about the defending, but you, you know when you you don't really know how to play defend, defense if you play and you, and you kind of play with people you don't know, you sort of take on more of a kind of a, you know, I'll, I've got this one kind of attitude. Uh, and and it, was, it was like a kamikaze approach. You'd got people kind of like like diving in, running out. I mean, the number of times Leuvens was kind of like on the left, he's on the right, he's sliding in, he's jumping in, he's, he's all over the place. It was just an absolute shambles. But the one thing that really, really kind of got me was how many times, um, I think it was, I don't know who it was, it was Williams or Saville or somebody from Millwall, just had figured out that he could do the entire team for speed. And he was, again, playing like, you know, like you do when you're a kid. He was knocking the ball forward and running onto it. He was, you know, was tapping the ball around to the left of a, one of our defenders and then running around the right and kind of embarrassing us every time, turning us, you know, outside our own area. It was just an absolute shambles. I was really shocked. I, I, all I could muster on the, t- on the day was a tweet that said, for, for a set of professional athletes, our team is incredibly slow, and I think it's the worst sort of exposure for speed I've seen. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to have to release a little bit of the anger and just back you up on this one, Paul, because it, not not just a shambles, but you know, one of the persistent themes of this entire season has been that when things have got tough, we've fallen apart in spectacular fashion at the back and just made some really, really naive and and, and fundamentally basic mistakes. And, and you can level that at both of the goals that Millwall scored. So the first one, you know, the free kick in from Marshall. We know he's got a good delivery. Goodness me, we know Ben Marshall is, right? We've, uh, we've, we've talked about him enough in every bloody transfer window. It's a great free kick, but it should be easily dealt with. The first header's one at the back post, no one covering at the back. And then, you know, it's just a simple tap-in header for, um, for Gregory, I think, for the first. And again, just, you know, it's just, just naive defending from a set pit piece but then the, the second goal and, and you know we're going to come on to what happened to Thornley in a second and, and this is no way a you know a, a slight on him because he he went wholeheartedly into trying to rectify the mistake but you know what he was doing was trying to play a really short ball across the defense which we've repeatedly got caught out for this season and, and you know Leuven's is the worst exponent of this I think you know it gives away the possession the basically guys clean clean through and it's it's the recovery tackle where he gets himself injured and then it, it's sadly just an easy tap in for them for the second goal but five minutes before that there'd been an exact replica of the same situation where Lubins had given the ball away and you know we just you can't play like that at this level you know they, the, the players should know better and they cannot execute defensively like that if we want to get results out of games they looked wildly uncomfortable playing out from the back uh, the entire game and they really didn't have any options to do anything other than that because they had no striker to try to lump it up to when the pressure came on and Millwall figured that out very quickly and was able to, you know, high press them and force them into mistakes either in the back line or in the midfield. And the Thornley injury is unfortunate. Um, you know, it looks like it's, it's you know, just a concussion, which I mean, not great, but it could have been far worse from, you know, looking at it live when it happened. But, and I thought Thornley has been very good since he come on, since he's uh, come on to the first team. But he's still an, a young, inexperienced center back at, at this level, and I think they're just sort of the. There's going to be moments like this. You know, we've seen it with people like sort of Venancio and uh, Van Aken, 
adjusting to this sort of the the pace of the championship as well and i think you know the obviously the injury that results from it was unfortunate but we did sort of press our luck with the with the defensive lineup as well we did and you've got to say a word as well about you know millwall's forward line i mean they're you know they're they're savvy they're they've been around the block and, and morrison in particular just gave us the run around all night um you know he, he just knew what he was doing knew he was up against inexperience and and some cavalier behaviors and, and took full advantage and I mean, this is where it kind of takes us on to, to a really, you know, a big debating point, right? Because everything we're describing is is symptomatic of a really, really disappointing performance. You know, pretty much from the first minute, you know, Millwall was everything that Burton was, that Birmingham was, um, and, you know, not a, a sign of the kind of the solidity that we've we've shown under Yoss mostly over the course of his 10, 10 or so games uh, since he came in at the turn of the year. The reaction from the fan base has been absolutely vicious. You know, p- people screaming from the rafters about the the team selection. You know, g- going on endlessly about five five zero about how it's you know it was a disgrace. There's no question the performance was was a disgrace. The real question is, you know, is that should you judge a manager by one game in the circumstances, or was that a, an abject performance from a set of players who, despite being second string, should be able to and should know better. And and that's where I'm actually I'm getting quite sensitive to the debate because I my personal view is that the the fan base is significantly overreacting to the the choices that the manager has available. Not trying to defend the uh, the setup or the the lineup on on Tuesday night at all, but um, I think we have to look at Yoss over the course of what he's done so far, as opposed to to the one game that uh, that disappointed us all on Tuesday night. Sure, but it's not just one game; it's ten. I don't know if the results have come as quickly as we expected um you know he was brought in to steady the ship to see us off to the mid table for the rest of the season and then i think build on from that for a promotion push next year and we're still kind of in a relegation fight and i don't know how much of that is set up and how much of that is performance um you know those are the recent like it's been very still inconsistent so what we saw in carlos you'd have a you know an aston villa or a leeds but then you'd have a burton albion and i think that's carried over while the team itself is a little bit more solidified i think that sort of inconsistency is carried over yeah it's difficult to say isn't it because you know one on one hand you could argue that we were in free fall and we dropped to sort of 15th 16th and then carlos uh, be parted company with Carlos, you know. So has Joss stopped the rot? Uh, because we're still in 16th. Um, I, I think I saw I saw a, a, some statistics. I think it was every every championship club that's changed their manager are still in about the same place as they were uh, before that managerial managerial change. So no one's had the big bounce. Um, you know, on the on the other hand, you know, would that have continued if if Carlos had have stayed with us? You know, is is he actually making the most of what is a really desperate situation? And, you know, here's another here's another argument: Was that lineup against Millwall? Yes, it was a throw of the dice. He felt confident in his players that he'd seen in in training all week. Uh, decided to rest some of the players, thinking we've got Villa next. I mean, Christ, Villa! You know, I mean. Was that part of the tactic? You know, which if it was, you know, uh, it, it's a smart move. You know, maybe we come out strong against them. But the trouble is, of course, we've lost. So, you know, everything goes out the window. And if you looked in the last twenty minutes, the team looked a lot better once Jao and Nuhi were on, in sort of a more traditional setup. Yeah. Now, it's entirely possible that you know Joss watched them in training over the weekend and the week previous. Maybe he knew exactly what he could get out of his strikers. For that game and that was what he could get out of them but it's i don't know um he's I mean, still a little bit was, of a mystery yeah and i think he was maybe protecting his first string a little bit because we have now another game to play and it's an important game i mean maybe not everyone sees it that way but you know progressing in the cup does have a certain cachet if we are not getting anywhere in the league so, you know, protect your your starting players if you have to, because otherwise, you know, we can't bring anyone new in, and we're, you know, we would be down to like academy kids at this point. If you know, we how many how many more injuries can this squad sustain? Like, I don't think it's that many. 
And that's essentially the argument that he was making in his um, somewhat tetchy post-match interview with uh, with Rob Staten. And, and I, I agree with, uh, I think, the comment earlier on that, you know, at least the right questions were put to him. Like, now, how does he justify that lineup, especially for a player like Zhao, who pretty much only played 10 minutes on Saturday since the, the week prior against Derby? His answer, take it or, or for what it is and agree with him or disagree with him, is that what he sees in training and what he sees from the squad is is a squad that's literally hanging on by the edge in terms of fitness um, and that he fears that if he over overexerts some players now he's not going to have them at the end of the season and obviously he can't replace them we can't go out into the low market anymore we can't sign anybody else he's essentially saying that he doesn't expect the the missing players to come back anytime soon so so let's not uh, get our hopes up for Gary Hooper Stephen Fletcher uh, being uh, being anywhere near the squad in the next few weeks and what he's essentially saying is he needs to protect those for, for games to come, and he thought he could get mo- the most out of the people who were on the pitch. Um, it, you know, presumably he knows a little bit more than we do about the medical status of the team. It, I mean, it sounds horrific. It sounds like you know the Walking Wounded on the Somme, to be perfectly honest. Literally um, in a Saw movie. It, 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 I mean, we joked about Final Destination last week, but but you know this this seems to be a perpetual theme at Hillsborough. So, you know, he he obviously is is playing a cautious game, but but I think we have to just kind of boil this down to a really simple principle. He has one success metric, one one KPI this year, and that's keeping the team up. You know, we don't get any prizes for finishing 17th, 16th or 15th. We get the chance to reorganize ourselves and sort out the club in the summer and go again next season if we stay in the championship. So to some extent, I don't care how he does it, as long as he grinds out enough results to get us to 50 points. Um, and as we stand, that means he needs to get four or five more wins out of the 12 or so games remaining. So, you know, m- my view is, look, we had a plan on Tuesday. It didn't work. We've got to move on. We've got to dust ourselves down. We've got to go on to the next game. But, you know, some of the vitriol level towards him on, on a one-game basis is is out of order, in my opinion. Sorry, James. What What's a KPI? Sorry, a bit management speak there, but that would be key performance indicator. Uh, usually what would be levelled at a management team in terms of whether they're they're achieving their goals or not. Um, in Joss's case, he has one thing to do, keep the damn club up. <laughs> and as we've seen in the last few weeks, uh, to use a little bit more management speak, the current Wednesday squad is the uh, minimum viable product. I think, ba- I, think barely this should be, I think this should be a new part of our podcast. Corporate speak first. Uh, soccer fans. We'll move on as no, well here okay. on the podcast, but we will have a little more Millwall chat. Unfortunately, we apologize ahead of time as we turn things over across the sea to our good friend and co-host Patty Jones. Hi, it's Paddy here in London. We are in the Hassan Jammer Beer Hall and we're before the Millwall game. We have two Americans here with us uh, amongst the Wednesday fans that are experiencing their first Sheffield Wednesday game, their first English football game, and we wanted to get their kind of like talks and expectations about what they're going to be doing, sorry, what they're thinking about ahead of the Millwall game. So, first of all, we've got Jill from Queens, New York. Hey, everyone. And we've got Joelle. Hi there. Uh, first of all, guys, why are you in uh, England? So, we're both in England because we're working here for three months. Why are we here, as in at the game, or why are we in London? Why are you in London? Why am I in London? So, Joelle and I are both working. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, and why are you here in the Castle Jammer pub with me? I've always wanted to go to a football game, so when Patrick offered, I said, hell yeah. Joelle, why are you here? Um, I'm here because Adil didn't want to go alone, so I'm <laughs> That's true. along. Too bad. I did say to Adil, don't go and sit on your own at her Millwall, so you brought Joelle, which is great. So when you told people you're going to see uh, Sheffield Wednesday at Millwall's English people, what has their reactions been? So, all of it, I, 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 would, I would say most people sort of rolled their eyes and said, don't go, but the best reaction was a colleague of ours showed a man punching a horse in the face. So, uh, that, that about sums it up. Yeah, and we got the, uh, oh, those are the only 
only hooligans left in, in London. So that's what we have to look forward to. But I will say that my American manager rolled her eyes and said, you have nothing to worry about. You'll be fine. Is that because she knows what you're like? No. It's because she knows what Brits are like. She was like, oh, they're just Englishmen. Like, her her manager is from Jersey, so... Yeah, she is yeah. from Jersey. <laughs> So the Jersey guys, the Jersey girls, are like not scared of any hooligans. I'm a little fan. It appears so. Yeah, oh, yeah. we'll see what happens. Good to know. Yep. I mean, I think you'll be fine. That's the deal, right? You'll be fine. But um, have you got like anything back home that you can maybe maybe set your expectations of? What experience have you been back home sports-wise? Do you think like you like what you're going to experience now at Millwall versus Sheffield Wednesday? Um, I, I mean, so, so you want to go first? Yeah. So so being a native New Yorker. Um, people hate me because I'm a Cowboys fan in terms of American football. So it is natural for me to go to an American football game and get just like death glares and like, you know, I have friends who like text me every single time the Cowboys lose and it's aggressive, but... Everyone hates Cowboys. Yeah, everyone hates They're like Man United of the NFL. Even though they're American football <laughs> team, but like, yes. So I have some sort of idea of like the hatred that we'll be experiencing I'm hoping it'll be okay, like I say, I'm hoping it'll be a slight experience of Rossi from a distance rather than up close. What's, what's like the nearest thing like sporting events you've uh, been to that might have been? The closest thing I can think of. So I've, I've been to a few Yankee games, huge baseball fan, grew up in the Bronx. Um, I, I think, I remember going to a Blue Jays game and there were two Blue Jays fans in a sea of Yankees fans and the worst thing that happened to them was every time we we hit the ball or we had a home run or whatever, we would boo the Blue Jays fans and that was about it. <laughs> okay, that's a good frame of reference. Yeah. Alright, so I think, I think that maybe Joelle's more prepared for this being a Cowboys fan than you are. Do you think so? Also, can I give you some insight into American hockey? Shit, yes. Okay, yeah, so I was at a college hockey game at Madison Square Garden, which is a big deal, and it was Cornell versus Boston University, and these Cornell students, every single time that Cornell got a plan, they would scream to the goalie of Boston University, it's all your fault, it's all your fault, and I was sitting there and I was like, you guys are fucking mean, <laughs> oh my god. Well, we would do stuff like that at the Yankee game, we yeah, would like, we would have a chance, like, that, that, that's like called out being mean, you might hear things way worse than yeah, that tonight. So Alright, that's, that's of our fans though, I mean, that's all good banter anyway. Yeah. So our fans will do, say mean things, but won't do mean things. Yeah. Millwall fans are more violence first. But I was at a Rangers game once, where the guy behind us called my friend's wife a C-word. Oh, because uh, she stood up once while they were attacking the goal. So, hockey fans are brutal. That's probably the worst American sports fan that I've had before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably worse than a real world fan can ever say to my like, friends. Yeah. Like, okay, so. yeah. Anyway, guys, so we're going to come back to speak to you guys after the game. See if it was worse or better than you expected. And hopefully we get a Wednesday win too. Yeah. yeah. So, cheers, guys. Awesome. It is now the day after the uh, miserable game of football we witnessed last night. Um, what? So, first of all, let's let's talk about the fans because I know we um, I know we kind of built them up to be nasty hooligans. What was your opinion on the uh, fans? So we didn't get. Too close. The deal we can't hear you. Yeah, say that again, Adele. Can you hear me? Hold on. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. We can, you can cut that out. But um, we didn't get too close to the fans. We just saw it from afar from our away bleachers. I think you're on point, as in they are a little, what's the term, hooliganistic. <laughs> I can use that. <laughs> um, but we didn't get up close to, to judge too hard, right? But what I will say is, even the the home team, uh, we were a little surprised as in uh, how, how seriously the sport is taken in the UK. 
I mean, so you've got, obviously, you were with us in the Sheffield Wednesday, and what do you think of the Sheffield Wednesday fans? What do you think of some of the songs? Could you work out what we were saying, some of the lyrics? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can repeat it here. There's a lot of Wednesdays thrown around. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I heard, Patrick. I kind of want you to say it so I, I can validate <laughs> if that's what I heard. If you can, if you can mention a few of the songs here, I can be like, yeah, that's what I heard. So I think the one, obviously, one that I think I like the most is the one about where you slate their their ground. So it's like we've got a shed as big as this. Do you like that that yeah. song? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. So what does that mean? It's like saying that this ground is shitty. So we've got a shed. We've got a shed as big as this ground. It's got a door and some windows. I've got a shed as big as this. Oh. You didn't well, get that. I thought I heard. So I thought I heard. We got shit as big as this. <laughs> like, are they talking about defecating as big as that? <laughs> All right. Any any other misheard lyrics in song which you thought was very strange? Um, no, we just wanted an explanation about the whole Wednesday thing, but you gave that to us. We were like, okay, that makes sense. I was just surprised you guys changed from a cricket league to a football league. <laughs> pretty, pretty different sport. Uh, yeah, that was about 50, 150 years ago, so we have uh, tried to play football since then, but unsuccessfully. Yeah. wasn't as bad as we thought it would be, though. Well, it, yeah, and I it, gotta say that. Yeah. it was interesting, too, because if you go to any sort of sport, boarding event in the U.S., first of all, all of the fans are scattered, so you're never going to have one section that's like, you know, all your energy is bundled up together, and then on top mm-hmm. of it, you don't have, like, chants and things like that, typically, that everyone knows, so you don't have this, like, back and forth of everyone kind of coming together to say all of that, um, and I think that I think that also contributes to the aggression, because it's like, obviously, there's... Um, more power in the masses. So if you're with a whole bunch of fans that hate the opposing team, naturally you're going to get more riled up. Yeah, and the, when they're playing as badly as that, I think you obviously saw me get quite frustrated at times too, and a few swear words popped out, uh, and there was a few fans around us getting a little bit more uh, heated and aggravated as the match went on too. So, yeah, it wasn't a great atmosphere to be in towards the end. But overall, what do you think... So- We'll go, we'll go into the match in a second, I suppose, and talk about the actual football on the pitch. But overall, did you say you, would you say you enjoyed the experience of being at a football match? Yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Exactly. Obviously, it was a bit of, I wouldn't have invited you if I didn't think it would be enjoyable. I think it's an interesting experience, at the, at the least. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. So let's talk about the football and the goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What's, I mean, have you watched much uh, football on TV before? Somewhat, like in passing, as in I'll be at a bar and I'll see the game going on. I'll be like, okay, you know, that makes sense. Kicking the ball around into into a, a goalie. That's what <laughs> yeah. it's That's no, the so, extent of how much football I've watched in my life. So I might have, I mean, I haven't watched that much either, but I think a little bit more than Adil. Um, I watched, or I kept up with the U.S. girls team when they, like, kicked ass a couple years ago. Yeah. So I was watching that and I paid attention. <laughs> All right, cool. So, um, I mean, I think I'll say you're quite new to it. So, as a, as a whole, what do you think is an entertainment purpose from that football game we watched last night? You can be so brutally cool. honest if you want to. You can be really honest here. You can tell me how shitty it was or if you actually thought it was interesting. I, hmm, that's a tough question. I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it, but I, it was, it was sometimes tense watching the stuff happening on the field as in they would get really close to the goal but not actually make it or yeah yeah yeah, I think so from what I was gathering everyone was very frustrated because like you were saying there were no strikers and basically the entire first half so there was just a lot of defense happening which makes for like more of a boring game because people aren't really trying to get it in the goal as much um, but, but when, once we did start seeing that, it made it more exciting. Um, and then you can kind of, you know, once we got a goal and then they got a goal, it was kind of yeah. like, all right, well, who's gonna, yeah. who's gonna come out on top? Yeah. I will say it was really nice when we got the goal. We, we, we felt like the, the ground shaking because people were so excited. Yes. I mean, I'm glad you saw some goals. I was, I was scared of like a zero, zero bar draw, but at least we saw, saw three goals in the game. Unfortunately, only one of them for us. That was a great goal by um, Jerry Pelopesi. 
Um, so that was uh, a bit of fun, and, and um, also there was a bit of uh, banter going back and forth with the fans too. So I think you got to see a pretty shitty game of football, but you got to see the the best and worst of the fans. So yeah, I think it was a pretty pretty um, decent experience, even though we didn't win the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the the dude that got injured, how's how's he doing? Oh yeah. Uh, he's okay. He's on Twitter this morning saying thanks for the messages, but I think uh, he's been let out of the hospital today. He didn't actually say what what happened. I think it was a facial injury, but that's what I yeah, that said. Was, yeah. He, like, that's what, yeah, because he was holding his face. Yeah, he immediately like I think he just skid the ground and then just grabbed his mm-hmm. face like an agony. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So Joel, you you, you were sitting next to me and you were definitely getting into it. I could, I could definitely hear you going ah and screaming every now and again, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Sorry. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. I mean, to, to go to a game, a sport you don't know much about, and get invested in it still, I think that's, that's, that's great. So I just want to say thanks to you guys for um, being good sports. Um, thanks for joining us at the Wednesday match. Hopefully uh, you can enjoy the game. And maybe come to a New York Owls meetup and watch it on TV with us in a bar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Patrick. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll speak soon. Thanks. All right. Take, take care. Bye. That seems to be a recurring theme here on the Owls America House. We'll kick off Wednesday news with an injury update. Uh, it's not much better. Alman Abdi made his uh, twice yearly appearance for the under-23s and played an hour. Well, Tom Lee's played the full 90 minutes, Paul. Is this good news, I guess, maybe? Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? I think uh, I've also spotted a pattern. I think that, um, well, first of all, I think Let's start with Lee's. Um, he, he actually he played he played sixty minutes with Huddersfield as well uh, last week, and then he he completed the full ninety. I think people were expecting him to be substituted off on Monday, but uh, he actually stayed on for ninety, which was good. And I th- from what I've read, it seems that uh, he he played in uh, he played in the middle of uh, a back three with O'Grady and uh, Liam Williams, who's been playing there, uh, looking strong as well. So apparently he's looking good. He's looking good and, you know, coming soon. Um, I think that uh, my observation was, if you remember, Abdi and Lees were at the mega store on uh, Mark Pen duties, weren't they, the other week? So yeah. maybe that's a sign. Maybe Joss has got the uh, Mark Pen duties as the first phase of uh, reco- <laughs> on the road to recovery. So... Let's keep our eye on the mega store. Whoever we see in there, waving a marker pen around, signing stuff. Maybe they're the next up. So as soon as Fess is in there, I'm going to get very excited. Another exciting, possibly injury-related news. Uh, Barry Bannon is on the comeback trail with a potentially new and exciting hairstyle, Luke. Yeah, there's there's a rumor going around that Barry Bannon was spotted with a with a ponytail. Um, the the academy twitter seemed to to have this news i'm i'm not so sure it's him um i'm fairly certain that we all know that barry bannon has a twin um who goes by the name of carrie conan no carrie yeah carrie conan with a with a ponytail um and a google search of barry bannon twin shows me that that i'm pretty much correct so um we're filing this under the non-fake news category the week. Is this like uh, Liam, Palmer Cohen, Liam, uh, Liam Palmer and Liam Liam Palmer's twin Ramon? <laughs> Ramon Palmer, yeah. I'll take either of the Bannon twins back at this point, I think. Other club news, James, the multi-year season ticket package is back. Yeah, this this is cracking news for for those of us who live uh, three thousand miles or more away. Uh, you can uh, you can sign up now, part with uh, several yeah. thousand pounds of uh, of English sterling, um, and uh, and get yourself a five year commitment to Wednesday. Uh, or you can get an, based on recent results. Get an iFollow package. No, I mean the, from from a club perspective, this is actually quite big news. So, you know, a, cu- a couple of points. One, um, you know, on a simple basis, the the season ticket pricing for 2018-19 next season is frozen. So essentially, the, the season ticket costs that applied this year apply next year, um, and that's actually quite an important statement. So if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the uh, the rather controversial survey that was circulating uh, amongst Wednesdayites and the question of, you know, do we maintain the current pricing structure or do we do we amend it? 
you know, do we do we look at the 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 load that is being based on on fans in order to contribute to our our revenue that that sustains our cost base? Um, well, the answer is uh, is there in stark relief. We're going to carry on with the the plan as it stands. Um, you know, the pricing, whatever you think of it from a, a season ticket point of view, is is going to continue. You know, I think it bears out saying at this point that the best value tickets in the stadium are season tickets because when you divide the the total cost, whichever stand you sit in, by the number of games you get to go to, you can. You know, you can see a game for for not much more than about twenty pounds, you know, twenty five, thirty dollars uh, a week, which is it's not not insignificant money, but it's pretty good value if, if you're willing to invest. The second part of the the equation, though, which is probably more profound, is that the the three year season ticket that was launched, I think, in 2015-16, um, has been revived, and and we've really blown it out. We've gone for a five year option now, so. You can, if you choose, to commit to your uh, your seat for the next five years, and and you know what that means is that the, you know, the pricing because it's based off of uh, the existing season ticket prices. You know, if we all buy into the idea that okay, the two year plan didn't work, but maybe we'll get there in a seven year plan. Um, you could well be watching Premier League football eventually at Hillsborough for the uh, for the prices we're currently committed to. So, what all this comes down to is, you know, the club is doubling down on the commitment to the pricing structure we're in. Um, we're accepting that that's going to. Uh, try and keep us competitive in the championship. Come on to reasons why that may or may not be true in a few minutes. Um, but it sends a message to the fan base that you know the the system and the strategy as it stands is here to stay. Um, and that's a debating point. I'm not going to get into the rights and wrongs of that debate. That's for another time. But um, there's a clear message from the club. And if you are able to afford it, and my understanding is that the, during the window of sale for the next month there will be some financing offers uh, put forward. It actually represents a, a good value way to commit to uh, to playing a part in supporting Wednesday through what we hope will be less turbulent times to come. That's the Wednesday news for this week. And now we'll turn to the upcoming matches. We have two before we podcast again next week. First, we turn our attention to the league and a home fixture against Aston Villa. James, I think we've well established that none of your American hosts know anything about the West Midlands. So what do you want to talk about instead? <laughs> We're getting into a dire point in the season, aren't we? Where we've talked about all the miserable places that teams come from in the championships. So we're sort of scraping the barrel now to try and find somewhere new to talk about. Um, all, all I can tell you is that, uh, quite interestingly, Villa published their 2016-2017 um, accounts um, just lately. And uh, the um, the most notable part was a £45 million write-off for the value of Villa Park, which probably tells you a lot about the uh, the surrounding area. Um, I guess uh, not being able to stage Premier League matches obviously took a significant amount off the, uh, off the balance sheet. Um, yeah, I mean, Villa have been in pretty good form of of late generally certainly since the turn of the year they've they've got they've become more consistent and, and they've been hanging on there or thereabouts to, to second place last couple of games have been a little bit uh, a little bit less successful um, so I think they've um, they drew with Preston in midweek and they, they actually lost to Fulham last weekend so just dropped a little bit off Cardiff um, into into third I think they've got about a four point gap to make up so you know it's getting to the business end of the season and um, they you know they're obviously going to be fired up to try and get back into the automatic places the other thing that came out of of Villa publishing their accounts and this is where it it comes back to the question of Wednesday's competitiveness is just the staggering amount of money that that they are spending in the pursuit of getting back back into the Premier League Um, the the most celebrated factor of the accounts was that they'd uh, they'd only highlight only made a 15 million pound loss last year um, which was down from eighty-one million pounds the pre- year previous. So, uh, so kudos to their accountants. Um, but they still managed to spend a staggering sixty-one million pounds on wages last year. Sixty-one million pounds. That's um, that's more than three times Wednesday's total turnover. So, when you think about the resources that Villa have at their disposal, the fact that they're only just there or thereabouts in the promotion places this season after two years of trying is um, is is a really interesting insight into just you know how. How much they uh, they have to uh, to try and push on compared to Wednesday, and and we're going to see that on Saturday. Frankly, you know they've they've got a couple of players out, but they've they've got a very impressive squad, and and they're having a a much much better season. So it's going to be a tough game for Wednesday. Um, you know, obviously Steve Bruce uh, back at Hillsborough, and we we all know and love the relationship with uh, with Brucey. So um, with our threadbare squad and uh, and playing with no strikers, um, it it could be a pretty painful affair on Saturday morning. Um, but let's uh, let's hope that Wednesday, as they've done on many occasions, rise to the big occasion and uh, and stuff Brucey one. 
Need a uh, royalty from Adam Reach in the first 30 seconds again. Won't hurt. Then midweek, we head to Wales to take on Swansea City. Once again, in the replay of the FA Cup fifth round match, a date with the Tottenham Rochdale winner awaits at Hillsborough if Wednesday can pull off the upset. Luke, how much should they go for it? Um, my My heart says... As much as they can. Should, they, should says, they start a striker in this game? <laughs> no, I, I think I think you go for the uh, two keepers, right? Mm. Uh, you can do that, right? Uh, two keepers, uh, eight-man back line, and then one guy kind of hovering around midfield just to foul anyone who gets the ball in midfield when it's coming back towards us. I think I think that's a pretty solid solid game plan, right? Two keepers, you can do this, right? It's it's the little known rule in the FA Cup that um, that allows for teams with no outfield players that are healthy uh, to to. I mean, it's 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 Wales, right? You can get away with anything. Didn't the early MLS rule you could play two keepers? No, you could you, you could sub a keeper yeah. <laughs> if uh, there's a great uh, there's a great YouTube video called the uh, the story of Cheatin' Bob. Um, uh, which anyone who hasn't seen it yet should go and Google because it's a it's a great kind of little vignette into the history of of the early rules in Major League Soccer. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think they should go for it. I think you know what 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 can you lose at this point? I mean, outside of just one more game and then you've lost a game and great. It's a game we're not expected to win, so. Why not go for it? I mean, the counterpoint to your argument about uh, playing two keepers, and I think Paul was uh, was offering some very sanguine advice on Twitter earlier on about this, which is that, you know, in the rules of kind of kids' football, if you haven't got a, uh, a slightly hefty keeper to play, you play goalie wag, right? So with Wednesday's propensity to play brilliantly out of defence, why don't we just play a, a sweeper keeper? That's That'd be great, wouldn't idea. it? It'd be yeah. really good. Jumpers for goalposts. Yeah, it'd be quality, wouldn't it? Imagine that if you just dropped the ball, if I mean, if, if uh, Joe just dropped the ball at his feet and just c- kept running. I mean, yes. Nielsen's like six nine and not cup tied, so you just use him in that right. spot. Well, we've already said that Cameron Dawson is uh, is, a, is a fledgling Kevin Pressman, so um, so why don't we get him up front taking some penalties as well? And if we apply Paul's uh, kids' football rules, it doesn't matter how many we're losing by in the ninetieth minute; it's next goal winner. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it gets dark, we all have to go home. On the plus side, we do have a, well, it's a Dutch manager, but someone that managed in Germany for a long time, so I'm more confident about penalties, at least. I would be if any of our players could actually swing a leg to take one. <laughs> Can we have, just have Big thought, Dave take all five? Yeah, I, I was going to say, Big Dave, I think, has he scored at least two this year, hasn't he? I mean, the only penalty he's ever missed was uh, against Darby last year, I think, or two years ago, maybe. We're at the point where where Dave is definitely the savior of our season, and I can't believe I'm the one saying that. So, uh, so yeah, let's 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 put him on penalty duties. And all I can say is, you know, we're we're live on Fox Sports again next week, so Alexi Lalas will be there, raring and raving to go in the studio. So, um, the more that Dave plays and takes the spotlight, then, the better, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. We just got to keep uh, Beardy Lalas happy and uh, and keep Warren Barton off the microphone. I once uh, I once sat in the front front row of, I think it was the South Stand when Warren Barton was playing for, uh, I don't know if it was Wimbledon or, or Newcastle in the 90s. He had the squeakiest voice of any uh, any wing-back I've ever ever heard at Hillsborough. Um, so I find his voice incredibly annoying, so I hope Lalas roars over him on uh, on Tuesday night. And for our uh, British listeners, uh, they'll be on the Beeb, as they say, I believe. BBC One. Yeah, exactly. It's on the big British castle. Yeah, <laughs> Quality. It's, it's quite a proud moment, isn't it? I mean, that, that basically means the Queen herself will be watching Wednesday next Tuesday night. Yeah. We are by her royal appointment. The big British castle. Fantastic. Do we have any other business? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, we do. Um, I, I, uh, I just I want to uh, give a special shout-out uh, to uh, Tom Evans on Twitter. 
at Tom Evans Wawa. Um, he kind of he kind of hit hit a nail on the head for me. He really kind of I was I, I was almost I was welling up. I was after the uh, Millwall match. He posted this. It said, "This is obviously very 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 early in the morning." Uh, the following day, he said after the Millwall match, he said, "Just got back home. Megabus was impossible to sleep on. Proper fucked." But £11 return from London can't be com- complained at. Gutted about result. We didn't play great. Bit disappointing, but that's football. Roll on Saturday. We're all Wednesday, aren't we? And I just thought, that is poetry to me. Very northern. Like, just perfect. Game was shit, bus was cheap. Right, but it encapsulated everything about this club and being a fan. You know, if you're from Sheffield, you know, that resonated with me so i just wanted to you know as i did uh, on twitter is stand up round of applause for tom evans because you, you really are everything about being a wednesday fan that's absolutely dead on actually and that that, that leads me into my little bit of other business as well jeff which is um in dark times you celebrate the light right so um yeah tom's a perfect example of that someone who, who went through that horror on tuesday night and uh, and came back with uh, with a positive uh, take on things and by the way shout out to all the wednesday nights because i think there was a great attendance at the new den on uh, on tuesday and uh, i know it's a long journey on a, a midweek night for, for all the folks who did go down from from sheffield but no what i wanted to highlight was um you may have seen a few weeks ago that i think it was the the cup game against reading um there was a, a special pullout poster in the wednesday program um piece of original artwork done by a wednesday uh, by the name of ollie fozard who's actually uh, He's a man close to our hearts because not only is he a Wednesdayite who's been over and visited to, with the New York Owls, he's also a, a brewmaster. He's the head brewer at um, at Roosters Brewing in North Yorkshire. Um, but he uh, he put together an absolutely magnificent per- collage of kind of personal clippings of uh, Wednesday history that he's collected over 30 plus years of uh, following Wednesday. Really, really beautiful piece of work to commemorate the 150th anniversary, and that was printed out in the in the program. I think there's a, there's a copy of it currently hanging in the Wednesday Tap on loan. Um, but he's uh, he's made 150 uh, special commemorative prints, and they're available for sale uh, on the internet. And he uh, he put a tweet out today with a link for folks to go and find that. I've got to say that they're significantly more affordable than the uh, the dream scene. So uh, you won't be paying thousands of pounds for this one. I think it's an absolute steal at about 35 pound. Um, and I know uh, someone's already inquired about whether he'll be shipping out to the states. So he's he's looking into that right now. So if you're uh, if you're interested in uh, in owning a really unique piece of Wednesday artwork that just celebrates just you know all the highs and those have been a Wednesday night and reminds us that you know one loss doesn't doesn't mean the end of the world we can uh, we can come back from this and we will be better and we have we have been better and we will be again um, it's a it's a great piece of work so uh, so go find that and again we'll uh, we'll tweet it out after the uh, after the pod and it does mean the end of the podcast here on episode 20 of the Owls Americast you can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and find us on twitter at owlsamericas our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday Ice Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, where in the world will you be watching the game on this Saturday? Uh, rarely, I'll be watching it in uh, in New York City. Uh, I won't be at the. Uh, there is a, a New York Owls meetup, I believe, but I won't be there because uh, I've, I've got two small kids and uh, and we can't get them into the basement of the football factory anymore. So. Um, I will most likely be in my front room uh, watching on iFollow uh, with a brew and uh, and hoping that we uh, we find a way to beat Brucey with no strikers. Luke is on Twitter at Luke A underscore H. Luke, what do you know, if anything, about the West Midlands? Uh, I know that it is not the East Midlands. And that it's it's around about the middle of the country, uh, but there's no there's no underscore in my Twitter Twitter handle. It's just so Luke you, you threw me off there. Oh, yeah, sorry. it's just Luke A. H. At Luke. I got in early. You can also find me at uh, Bad Ideas Eleven because apparently that's all I have. 
Paul is on Twitter at the O Wednesday. Paul, this is our second meeting with the Swans in a week. Do you have any advice to Sheffield Wednesday for battling Swans? Yeah, just make sure you got a broom because they're angry, angry bastards. If they come at you, hit them with a broom. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and since Patty is not here this week, the meetup announcement falls to me. There are two meetups this week. The New York Owls will be meeting at our home base football factory at 10 a.m. for Villa. And the New Orleans Owls will be meeting at Finn McCool's. That's an hour earlier. That's 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, keep an eye out. We don't have any official locations for the Swansea replay yet, but keep an eye out on the website. And keep an eye out here next week. We'll be back with another edition of the Owls AmeriCast. This has been episode 20 of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield of Wednesday, Opinion with an American Accent. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Jeff, 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 Jeff. What? What? We've we've got some um, some other things to talk about. You missed out AOB. Yeah, but I do. It's it's all meetup stuff. I'm just going to do that in the outro, where it usually is. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought you were. I thought we were done. No, no, I've, I've got it under control, Paul. Have it under control. <laughs> are, are you sure, Jeff? Are you reading the live yeah. uh, agenda updates? You've not seen, have you? Have you live? No, oh, like, he's dropped. Yeah, we've been editing. So what yeah. happens is oh, I copy yeah. the agenda into my thing, so I have a little. Where's Evan? Here. Where's Evan when you need him? Oh my god! We need a substitute, Evan. Ninetieth minute substitution, Evan. Where are you? All right. Do we have any other? He's, business? At, he's, he's at a meetup in Ohio. Um, do we haven't we discussed have any other oh, business. Yes. Uh, one of his basement meetups. Okay. You only drove an hour, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>